1: Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're going to get started with a look at Zach Taylor's Monday comments. He continues to take accountability for his decision in overtime to run the ball twice in a row in the red zone or in the red zone fringe area. And, well, the question is going to be, can he learn from it? Because this isn't the first time that Taylor has had a hard time closing out a close game. Not this year, not in his career. The record in close games is what it is. We're also going to talk about Joe Burrow and what's making him so great this season. But we're going to start with Taylor. And the reason we get to start with, Zach Taylor's comments, James, is because you asked him a really good question in his press conference today, and he humored you with an answer.
3: Yesterday, you said that the end of the game with, with Burrow and deciding to run it might keep you up, and, and and you might lose some sleep over it. Did you?
4: Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. that's You know, you, you, here's what you look at. Uh, you rewatch the game, and our, our team did a lot of outstanding things to, to go win the football game. And... I look at all the offenses the plays the offense made in particular you know there in the fourth quarter and overtime and and uh everybody stepped up and made plays and so you know where where could I have been different you know it's it's um, two things can be true. You can believe in your run game. You can believe in your running back and your offensive line, and uh, you can also put the ball in your quarterback's hands. Because you know, in 15 years, we think this guy's we're going to look back and he's going to be Hall of Fame type quarterback, and give him a chance to win us the game. And um, so, yeah, you, you look at really, really one call there on second down. Um, believe in the run. I think that's a great run for us. We got six yards on that to start the half. Um, which would have gotten us first down, but at the same time, our quarterback's really feeling it. You put the ball in his hands and, and you give him a second down and a third down to go convert that and scores a touchdown and and uh maybe you walk off the game with a walk off touchdown and the game's over. So um those are just the things, you know, we, we we are transparent with our guys and um we ask a lot of them and they ask a lot of us and, and we're all in this thing together. And so um, you know, it's it's uh that's that's one that, that you would do a little bit differently.
3: Honestly, I, look, I ripped the hell out of Zach and I I went back and, you know, I was dancing around if you watch our YouTube and, and I was uh, pretty hyped up on Sunday night after the game. And then I woke up Monday morning and I was angrier and I still, I was more, even more flabbergasted and just, are you kidding me? Like, and then all of the numbers that we're going to get to a little bit later in the show about Joe Burrow come out and it's just like even more mind blowing. And so I ripped him on my YouTube channel and, and wrote plenty of uh, things and, and opinions about it. And so then I was like, all right, I'm going to ask him. And so the fact that he won, acknowledged it on Sunday and acknowledged it again, Monday, kudos to him for that. He deserves credit for that. I don't think there are many, if any other NFL head coaches that would have done that now. That doesn't take away from it. It's still an F. I still feel the same way about it. Joe Burrow is dealing and he's he's man on fire, Denzel Washington style at Paul Brown Stadium. And that you know, Zach Taylor said, no, we're gonna go to the other. Like, I don't want to get into it again because we know the answer. But I do give Zach Taylor credit for owning it. And then the next day, owning it again when James Urpine of locked on Bengals is like, hey man, did you uh did you lose sleep like you said you would? man of his word right lost asleep he he
2: told us he would lose look i i don't think we need to belabor the point he he made some mistakes in the game we talked about him yesterday i mentioned some specific criticisms that i have of the way the game was managed the way the game was called and the thing is 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 he going to learn from the mistake right is he going to learn the right lesson from the mistake he's gone back and mentioned the decision early this year to go for it from his own 30 on a fourth and one. And and they haven't really done that again. Right. And so the lesson he seems to have taken away from that, and they have gone for it on fourth down, but I think they were better going for it on fourth down last year than this year. And I think that since that moment going for it from their own 30, when they didn't make it, they, they kind of clammed up. And so Mm -hmm. can he learn the right lesson, right? Can he learn from that, it's each fourth down needs to be evaluated individually, and I shouldn't change my core beliefs about going forward on fourth down. I just maybe need to change my my understanding of, do I go forward on fourth down in that situation from my own territory? There, there, there's mm-hmm. some some granularity there, right? And so the lesson here is is kind of equally tricky, but it's put the ball in this guy that, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback, he's calling him. And we'll talk more about Burrow later and why, you know, maybe that's not such a crazy thing to throw into the world in his second season because he's having a great year. But that's how they believe in this guy? Absolutely put the ball in his hands, right? I mean, we yeah. saw Kyle Shanahan put the ball in Jimmy G's hands and given the Bengals at that point in the game were without Gito Wuzier, without Trey Hendrickson, the defense depleted, without Logan Wilson, without Akeem davis Gather, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Trey Wayne's name, name guys, they're hurt. Kyle Shannon said, you know what, Jimmy G? You almost turned the ball over three times in this game. I don't care. You're going to throw the ball in overtime anyway. And then he yeah. rewards you with a game-winning touchdown pass where Debo Samuel did most of the work. But regardless, Jimmy G actually made some plays in overtime, and his coach stuck with it. And you would like to see Burrow get that extra opportunity. We talked about it yesterday. Taylor's acknowledging it here. And going forward, like I've said, can he learn the lesson? Can he implement the right takeaways from this moment. And the next four games are, are going to be big. He's got to win. They've got to get into the playoffs, I think. And and that's the expectation that ownership should have.
3: That should absolutely be the expectation after a five and two start after a seven and four start. And after a chance yesterday to take the lead in the AFC North with four weeks to go. And th- that that's the part of it, man. Now they're the nine seed. Set you back. You're you're still banged up. By the way, injury updates. Trey Hendrickson, day to day. We'll see on him. But the uh, Zach said that it, there was a positive outlook. Admitted that it was spasms in Hendrickson's back. So who knows? Maybe that sack streak of nine games can turn to ten. The NFL record is is eleven straight. Just so we're eyeing that. So hopefully uh, Hendrickson can do that. Um, and then Cheeto Wouzier, I talked to him, and you actually hear from him later uh, on the pod here. On, on the Von Bell penalty, but uh, he's fine-ish. He's going to have to be really uh, monitored throughout the week and uh, expects to play on Sunday, though. I asked him straight up in Denver, he expects to play. And usually when a player talks to the media, uh, that, that's a, a good sign. And then Riley Reef still up in the air there. So there's your injury update. But yeah, it, uh, it it's cool that he admitted that Joe Burrow, like, Hall of Fame. But by God, if that's what you think, it just... You know, and everything points back to that, and that's what stinks. You know, all of these uh, stats that you're going to get into, and and things that Burrow did, and he was amazing. It's going to be in the back of your mind. It's going to be like, oh well. And you know, at the same time, I'm not on Zach for running the ball. Like I don't care. Um, he ran it after the T. Higgins play, the 26 yarder. He he get, handed the ball off to Mixon for for no gain. Then on first and ten after the the play to Uzama in overtime. It was a six-yard run for Mixon. No problem there, but it's second and four. Guess what I want there? Potential shot play, a way to get maybe inside the 50, inside that, like you're taking a shot here to try to drive the dagger into uh, a a team in the, the 49ers that had outplayed you, but you have the better quarterback and you have overall, I think, better weapons. So take advantage of it and end the game since your defense is so banged up.
2: And they hadn't outplayed you lately. You know, they took advantage of some first half mistakes. They hadn't outplayed you in the second half. Uh, I would say there's one thing I want to walk back from my criticism of Zach Taylor yesterday. It's that they didn't adjust quickly enough to beat the cover two. Looking at the all 22, when you can see the whole field, you can see that they had plenty of cover two beaters called early in the game. They just couldn't block them. There are still some other fair criticisms of Zach Taylor in this game, but they had a number of big plays that they just didn't block up. And even when they did get some of the big plays in the second half, Joe Burrow's throwing under the tightest, tightest of windows in the pocket. The boy throw. They just couldn't protect yesterday. And, And the offensive line had maybe its worst game in protection of the season. And, well, you're going to hear more about that when we dive into Joe Burrow's performance, one of his best of the year, his best performance under pressure probably of his NFL career. And that's going to be a full segment on Joe Burrow's excellent performance and excellent season coming up next.
3: You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. And who doesn't like to save money? I know I do. And with Boost, you're going to get the power of a free 5G phone. So you can listen to all the latest episodes of Locked on Bengals. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line. So your family can harness all of that brain power too. And power of one of america's largest 5g networks so you can do it all at lightning fast jamar chase game on the line type speed so check them out right now all you got to do is switch to boost mobile and you're going to get a free samsung galaxy a32 5g when you switch to one of america's largest 5g networks more power to save boost mobile free phone limited to new customers and one per line additional restrictions apply offers and coverage not available everywhere for all phones or networks. See boostmobile.com for details. Super Bowl 56, James, about 60
2: days away. Can you believe it? This season has gone by in a flash, and hopefully we're watching these Bengals and Joe Burrow get hot and make a little bit of a playoff run, because talking about the Super Bowl and the Lockdown Bengals podcast is something that I would love to do. But on location, The official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place you can score a once in a lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. You just select, if you win, you select your exact seats. You get to choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration. That's going to be with NFL legends, five star LA hotels, food by the great Wolfgang Puck. If you want to get in on the action, visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or just search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or just search for Super Bowl on location. If he's a uh, Hall of Fame quarterback, James, maybe. If Zach Taylor's right, we'll be talking Super Bowl one day and He's having uh, an MVP kind of season here in, in some ways, especially when you look at the the PFF numbers. If you look at the PFF numbers overall, and I know that this is very high level and our listeners have varying degrees in trust in PFF, but who do you think the number one graded quarterback is in this season, James?
3: Well, I, I always default to this. And if you're on YouTube, you can see that there's a guy right here. His name is Tom Brady. And uh, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. So I'm always going to say Tom Brady. You could ask which quarterback has the most rushing yards. Well, Tom Brady does because he's the he's the go. So I'm going to say Tom Brady.
2: Well, that's correct. Uh, The the part about the rushing (laughs) yards is like ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, I don't know who you are. I I believe you know who Lamar Jackson is. But guess who's number two? Joe Burrow's number number two. two. What? Joe Burrow. is PFF's second-highest-graded quarterback this year. Now, you throw out the first two weeks when the Bengals' offense was a little bit weird and Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow's working his way back from the knee injury, guess who's number one now? Joe Burrow. Guess who leads the NFL in big-time throw percentage since week three? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow by a full percentage point, 7.3% ahead of Russell Wilson, 6.4, Aaron Rodgers, 6.2. His turnover-worthy play percentage, which has been a point of consternation for Bengals fans this year in that time, mm-hmm. is is ninth best in
3: the NFL. Wow. So far from oh. the, the very bad mark. That, Remember that, when turnovers were like this huge like, thing for are. like two? After the Cleveland thing. No, no, no. But, but like with Burrow specifically yes. where it was like on him, it was like, man, if Burrow doesn't cut – because of the pick six to Ward, which was his fault – But then it was like, oh, it's a Burrow problem and not a team. It's a team problem. Anyway, keep going. Uh, Since week two, from week
2: three until present, Joe Burrow is second in the NFL in adjusted completion percentage, which adjusts for when he's hit as he's thrown, when there are drops, when there are throwaways, only looks at targeted passes. Second, behind Tua, whose average depth of target is like three yards lower than Burrow. So uh, I think when you when you factor a degree of, of difficulty, uh Joe Burrow has that one going away.
3: I thought you were gonna say his average depth of target was three yards and I kinda believed you. <laughs> <laughs> that dink and dunk little little guy in Miami. Yeah. I can't RPO believe I thought offense. Tua Yeah, I can't believe Tua it, like there was one point in my life where I thought Tua was gonna be the number one pick in the twenty twenty draft. Me too. So
2: I, I think a lot of people were what, there. You're You're not, you're not alone on that mountain, uh, his yards per attempt also in that period. And I think even for the full season, 8.5 leads the NFL. So you look at a number of categories. Yep. Joe Burrow has been the best passer in the NFL from week three on this year, according to PFF, according to all these stats, I just rattled off and, you know, you can talk about some faults he's he's maybe putting the ball in danger more than you want him to. You know, he he's top 10 in turnover-worthy pass percentage, turnover-worthy play percentage in that period mm-hmm. of time. But maybe you'd like him to be, you know, more like Tom Brady, 2% instead of 3%. Maybe you'd like to see him navigate the pocket a little bit better. You know, the pressure to sack rate, fourth worst in the NFL. But, it, it, you know, you're nitpicking. That's his play style. and And it's right up there with, you know, the other players that have that style of play, the Mar Jackson pressure to sack percentage, for example, very similar.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So from a statistical perspective and, and from this big time throw percentage perspective, which is a subjective PFF stat, he had four of them, five of them yesterday mm-hmm. in, in that game that the Tyler Boyd yeah. sideline uh-huh. throw the, the Jamar chase Both touchdown, chase the Jamar chase drop touchdown, the other Jamar Chase touchdown, a T Higgins cover two beater. I mean, on, on yards on, on targets, 20 plus yards down the field yesterday, James, four of five. For 105 yards, two touchdowns and and chases near touchdown
3: clinic. So, it, it, and, and, and here's the bummer in all of this is you're saying all that stuff and you're rattling off the stats and he's got 25 touchdowns and he might break the break the, bang, the Bengals record if Jamar catches the damn ball, and he did <laughs> towards the end of the game. He might break the, you know, the Bengals record for touchdown passes in a season coming off of a torn ACL. Oh, by the way, did you see how Dak Prescott has played the past couple of weeks? I don't know if it's a runaway anymore for this comeback player of the year race. But you know what would have really helped it? What well, would have really helped it? Was winning the damn game, and, and, and that's the thing, is like he has all these stats, and if if they had won, you know, handle business against the Jets, if they had won against the Bears in Week 2, just any of those games, or on Sunday, or not turn the ball over 52 times against the Chargers, then we're probably talking about a playoff team, maybe a division winner, and maybe we, we just assume he is a shoe in for Comeback Player of the Year because the perception is different. And maybe we're talking about different things because up until different awards, I'm talking about the MVP award, by the way, because up until about a week ago, and maybe until Sunday, the MVP was pretty much open. And I think Tom Brady has a pretty good handle on it now, but the world would have loved for Burrow to grab it. And I just don't think they have enough wins as much as anything. Now, the stats aren't all the way there either. I get that. Justin Herbert's thrown for 30 touchdowns. Uh, There was a little lull there for Burrow. Uh, for a couple of weeks but man it uh shoulda coulda woulda but if he finishes with a a strong final four weeks comeback player of the year playoffs wouldn't be too shabby
2: and if he continues to play the way he did there's a chance that like they're gonna win games if he continues to play like that he had the one ball that should have been picked but besides that was which one the one with the penalty no, the one, one threw over the middle. It was tipped, and then Jamar Chase caught it. It was the one bounce that oh, really yeah. went the Bengals' yeah, yeah. way.
3: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, so Jamar has multiple drops, and then I tweeted, I tweeted. Jamar yeah. caught that one.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, so here's here's the numbers. <laughs> one more set of numbers from yesterday's game. Joe Burrow was pressured on 47.5% of his dropbacks against the 49ers. That, I think, is probably the worst mark he's faced in his NFL career. The 49ers only blitzed 10% of the time to get a 49.5% pressure rate on his dropbacks. On those pressure dropbacks, when he was able to throw the ball, 12 of 13, 204 yards, and both touchdowns on pressured snaps. That is mind-blowingly stupid production under the amount of pressure He was under against the San Francisco Forty Nine. Like that's that's dumb. That that's so dumb. The the last thing to mention that isn't related to yesterday's game, PFF's most stable metric according to all of their studies and their most predictive metric for quarterback success is performance when kept clean when he's protected. Guess who's number one graded in the NFL in that category, James? Joe Justin Herbert G D Burrow. I mean, the, the guy's having a great season coming off a torn ACL. With a full off season. you know, it, pray he gets there healthy. Knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood over here. He's going to be able to work on some of these things that have been issues for him this year. He's going to have that second-year connection with Jamar Chase, who's going to be, what, 22, 23 years old. T. Higgins is going to be March. one year older. I mean, 23. Th- these guys are young and good, and the future is bright. And I just wanted to spend a lot of time talking about how good Joe Burrow is. And we didn't even get to talk about any of the particular plays. Luckily, we have a film review with Bengal Sands coming up tomorrow to talk about that. We're going to finish up with some comments about that taunting penalty, the worst role in the NFL, and our last thoughts before we get into our film
3: review tomorrow with
2: Bengal Sands coming up
3: next. I do have a big question for Jake Lisko. But first, I got to tell you, about Stance apparel because Stance represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear and active apparel. They were founded in 2009 and they're comfortable. They're soft, they're quality and they're perfect for you because all of the collaborators, well they've they've teamed up with some of pop culture's hottest names to bring you the best style, self-expression that you can imagine. So It doesn't matter if you're looking for NBA, like my guy D-Wade, right? The Goonies, you remember that throwback movie? That was Jake's favorite movie growing up. Star Wars, The Office, Harry Potter, Disney. There's something for everyone. Maybe Marvel, right? There's something for everybody with Stance. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good do good. Joe Burrow might be wearing some some stance gear. Go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code locked on at checkout to get that 15% off. Again, stance.com, promo code locked on for 15% off. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with stance.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: Jake, real quick, I have a question. Before we get into Tavon Bell's, uh, the taunting penalty, and we hear from uh, Chidobe Awuzie, was Sunday Joe Burrow's best game in the NFL? I don't know. That's that's
2: probably really close. Like, it was his best game under pressure. He did a lot of things at a really high level. There were some issues. Like, it wasn't his cleanest game. I think he has played cleaner games.
3: But if it's not his best game, I think it's really, really close. I mean, I think the, the fact that, and here's the part of it that's crazy. The fourth and five is nuts. And you still don't really think they're going to tie it. But he gets sacked on mm-hmm. the tie, the game tying drive, and then they go ninety five yards. <laughs> That's the part, the like the ball to Higgins out of his end zone right there. I'm like, man, he's gonna get drilled. You're talking about the pressure. So I, I, I think like that was a more clutch game to me. And I know you were at the Jacksonville game, and I'm not trying to hurt, but like then that because because of the opponent, because of of the how challenging it was. It wasn't like they. It wasn't like Jacksonville where they were rolling for an entire second half. It was, there's 12 minutes to go in the game and they're down 14 and the offense has six points on the board.
2: Yeah. Like I said, I think it's, it's really close if it's not, I mean, he, he had 40 dropbacks too, with the pressure he was under in that game, brought him all the way back. You know, the, the, the other Jacksonville's one where he was clinical in the second half. You're absolutely right. Uh, the other games like Pittsburgh 20 of 24, but he only dropped back twenty four times in that game. Tennessee the twenty twenty seven
3: games was good.
2: Yeah. I mean it, it's if it's not his best, like I said, it's really close. There's probably some other contenders. Let us know on Twitter and in the comments what you think Joe Burrow's best game was and, and if you what what your answer to that question is from from my pal James Rapine here. I've never seen Goonies, by the way. Uh
3: so <laughs> it's in your age range. Like I I watched it, but like I was too young when it was like a thing, like where it was like out, out. So I figured you might've seen that thing in theaters. No. Okay.
2: No. I mean, I know some people in my, in my age range. That's their favorite movie, but I've never seen it. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, A couple other players to shout out real quick. I just, we're going to hear from Cheeto in a second. So I'm just going to shout out some defensive players real quick. I think we did it yesterday. Cheeto had a good game. Uh, has been fantastic for the Bengals this season has outperformed. His contract was a great upside. You guys remember when they, when they signed Cheeto, if you listened to this podcast back then, I said, I think this is maybe their, their biggest upside signing. I, I was a little bit wrong about that. It turns out it was probably Trey Hendrickson, but he's hit that upside and has been fantastic this year. He's been often targeted and has been often nails. He, he's been really good. Uh, Trey Hendrickson. Shout out Trey Hendrickson. We we talked about him a little bit earlier. Got some good news. He's got back spasms. I had back spasms once. They're terrible. I couldn't move. And he has access to better better medical care than than I do. So there's a reason to be optimistic.
3: Go ahead. I'm sending Trey Hendrickson a a semi truck full of belt bars. There you Dude's go. Dude's gonna be good.
2: He's gonna be go. all right. Include some muscle relaxers in there too, and then he'll be totally fine. Uh, the bars are fine. the guy has been better totally as a pass rusher. Than He was with the Saints, so uh, shout out Trey Hendrickson, also shout out my boy DJ Reader, under it. shout out DJ BJ Hill, extend BJ Hill. Okay, Cheeto Wouzier had some strong words, James, about the Von Bell penalty that uh, I think speaks to the heart of Bengals fans everywhere.
4: Feel Sympathetic for Vaughn when he got that call at the end of the first half, because clearly he's kind of celebrating a big play, but he gets flagged for the uh, personal foul or the um, taunting rule. And that turned out to be a big penalty. You feel for Vaughn there?
0: It's just, this is a ridiculous call to, on, my, on my, on my end. I just don't really think that was a taunting penalty like this. There's things in the game. That's just gamesmanship. You know, it's not necessarily like, you know, um, flexing on somebody or standing over them or stepping on them, spinning on them. You know, Vaughn just picked up the ball, ran by the guy. The guy acted like he was going to tackle him. The Vaughn just kind of pointed at him and then the guy just turned around. He, I don't think if you asked him, he said that he felt disrespected. So, um, yeah, it's just it's such a ticky tack um, type of call that, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, judge what is taunting, you know, because then later in the Game, You see the guy hit Joe Mixon and then stand over him and flex on him and there was no taunting call. And it's like, okay, so what is taunting exactly? And it's it's, it's affecting games and we see it across the league that's affecting games. So um, there needs to be more of a, uh, you know, accountability, you know, for that call. I don't think it should be called as often as it is and it's affecting games.
3: I love that Cheeto spoke up and you mentioned this. We talked about it before the show. He's probably going to get fined for it, but it's a BS call. Um, in or it's a BS rule uh, again, because I, I think you could easily see that. Here's the problem though is it saying like, eh, I gotcha, like in it's kind of a joke, like, oh, eh, you're not tackling me to Alex Mack, like that's that's funny, that's that's just kind of banter back and forth. And so, where's the line? You're right, it's subjective. I think you said it on our Monday show and uh, you know, our post game show. And that's uh, that if you're the NFL, you can't have that determine playoff games and that's what that was like the 49ers they might get in the playoffs because of that call the bengals might miss the playoffs because of that call and now it isn't just because of that call but you get my point and you do not want that to to dictate it like i'll give you an example i'm always in favor more so than not of a no call i don't want to pass interference where it's kind of questionable where you give the ball on the two-yard line and the game's over i don't want you to to call a foul with three seconds to go, you know, a charging or something like that in basketball and determine the outcome of a game. I don't want that. So uh, that's uh, – and again, it was in the end of the first half, but that four points was was a, a huge momentum change and and certainly gave the 49ers a, a, an advantage going into the second half.
2: Yeah, it's never so simple as one thing. We say this all the time. It's never so simple as Zach Taylor can't call plays. It's never so simple as taunting – was a bad call or, or a ref made a bad call. There's always more to it, right? They're not in that situation if Darius Phillips catches a ball. Instead, they're driving the other way trying to score, right? So it's never so simple, but it does change games. And it is subjective. And there's never been a taunting call I've seen where I've been like, oh, yeah, that prevented a fight later. Like the the guy didn't react to it, right? So so here's here's the thing, taking it a step further, and I'm going to put on my – orange colored glasses and just complain for a second
3: real quick real quick because yeah. i, I want to let you rant the other thing you just said the guy the other thing i really appreciated about cheeto <clears throat> that's alex Mack. all right that isn't just a guy it's a pro bowl center former pro bowl center. he's a veteran but it's just hilarious how many times cheeto called him the guy <laughs> and then he, it was just I, I was dying at it go back if you don't think it's funny bengals fans and just rewind like a minute and listen to cheeto it, it, he probably said the guy like 15 times in that minute clip.
2: And look at how he subliminally incepted me into calling him the guy. I mean, you know me. I, yeah. I call opponents by their numbers all the time. But uh, he, he didn't react at all. Wh- what are you preventing, referee? And then, and then later in the game, the, the play that – oh, I guess the other thing. DJ Reader points out that all he said is, you almost hit me. He said, you almost hit me, Von Bell said. To Alex Mack as he ran by him. Yep. Taunting, I guess. You uh, almost the... hit
3: me. Yeah, and he points. Yeah, and he points. Like, that's not, yeah, that's nothing. I agree. So later in the
2: game, it's a call it both ways zebras moment, as I and some others tweeted, when Joe Mixon gets lit up. It's a great football play. Joe Mixon got blown up after catching the ball in the flat. After he got blown up, two 49ers, one stood over him. The guy that tackled him then walked into him, bumped chest with him. Mixon reacted. Which of those is worse? The one that initiated contact and prompted a guy to react? Or the one that's like kind of a joke and and there's no reaction? The rule is there to prevent fights, to prevent escalations. Call it both ways or don't call it at all. I prefer it not be called at all. But my orange tinted glasses are saying, if you're going to call it in one of those two situations, one of them is clearly worse. And so this is this is the problem with the rule. It enables these conversations. It enables refs to change the game at important times. And and frankly, nobody gives a shit about the refs. And nobody wants to watch the refs have this kind of impact on games. And that's the problem with the rule. It, it wasn't a problem before. Todd was a rule before, by the way.
3: Yeah, the world it, It's not a
2: new rule. <laughs> just, just go back to how it was because when it used to be called, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Like it took a lot more. Sometimes even then it was questionable, but it took a lot more. It's like really standing over a guy kind of thing, you know? And, well, and
3: so I don't know. I you, hate it. Get you, rid of it. Well, you have these prissy people that are in their, their perch that don't understand, and they see Antoine Winfield Jr. throw up the peace sign to Tyreek Hill in the Super Bowl <laughs> to terrible. get – to get Tyreek Hill back because Hill acted and did his sign after he blew by Winfield in the regular season. And then guess what? The Bucs beat the hell out of him in the Super Bowl and he did it back and he got fined for that. And and those are the type of plays that led to this rule change. And it it stinks because I don't want it to go either way. I don't like you said, I don't want either one called. I don't want either one making the decision. Exactly. And guess what? I enjoy a little trash talk. I enjoy a little heat. It you? doesn't mean you want it to go crazy. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Like, I'll go to the damn local basketball court right now and, and say more than you almost hit me, bro, and, 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 and just be playing a little pickup game. And it, it's not personal. This is a damn NFL game. And that's the part of it that uh, is unrealistic. And having that determine potentially determine outcomes of games. I think this is the final year with the rule, even though the NFL issued a memo uh, it was last month, I think it was like November 18th, that they plan on keeping the taunting rule. I, I think that it's going to happen in a playoff game, in a pivotal moment, and lead to a field goal or something that that changes the game, and they're going to have to change it. So, uh, unfortunately, I do think it's here to stay for this season, and it's going to impact things. It's ridiculous. I, I hate
2: it. I don't know how uh, coaches continue to defend it. The competition committee continues to defend the rule. And the optics in the year where the NFL is partnering with these gambling companies. I mean, come on. I mean, what a year for such a subjective rule to be impacting games the way they're being impacted. Anyway, that's my orange-tinted glasses rant. Joe Burrow's a goat, or he could be. He's not Tom Brady yet, but man, he and Brady in some like company so far this year. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Tomorrow, we're back with Mike at Bengals underscore San Santagata to get our film review takeaways and talk about how well Burrow played, how poorly they protected. We're going to talk third downs, I'm sure, because they were an issue. Until tomorrow, Bengals fans, thanks for listening. Hootay, and have a good one.
1: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.